2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are, somebody say we are, to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Now this is Paul's writing to the Corinthian church. And if you look at the context, he's actually, he's actually kind of pining away. Uh, he was, he's been distracted and he was waiting for Timothy to come to him. And he had some unsettling times here. And then he just all of a sudden goes into this victory praise here, talking about our victory in Christ. And it's interesting, he uses this term triumph. And the term triumph comes from a Greek term that was used for a Roman victory procession. Because when the Romans would come back from the battlefields and having conquered foes, the generals or the commanders or emperors would come back into the city of Rome and behind them would be a train of conquered kings and princes and important people from the lands that they had conquered. And all the people in the city would come out to greet the conqueror. I really believe that's the language of First Thessalonians chapter 4. That we shall be caught up to meet the conqueror as he comes, as he returns. I really believe that's the imagery there. Anyhow, you chew on that later. So the people run out of the city and greet the coming king and then welcome him back. And, and so here's this parade. So the people line the streets and they have their palm branches or their victory wreaths or whatever. And then it was a tradition that the Romans would burn incense. That they would burn incense and it became the fragrance of victory. So Paul says, we are the fragrance of God. We are the fragrance of, we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So we become, maybe Paul had this victory procession in mind that we are the fragrance of victory everywhere we go. People figuratively smell us and we smell like winners. Oh, hallelujah. I know some people hate this, but look at your neighbor. Say, <laughs> so you smell like a winner this morning. <laughs> hallelujah. We got the, and hopefully that's true. I mean, we're speaking faith, but hopefully that's true. <laughs> so we carry the fragrance of God's victory everywhere we go. So when you walk into your place of business tomorrow, you carry the fragrance of his victory. You're a crown jewel of victory. You're proof that he won the battle and that you're, you're one of his trophies that he's put on display. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You might be the one that when you turn your back, they're pointing at you like, can you believe this? I've had people do that to me before. I showed up in a setting many years ago. It was kind of a reunion setting, and I, I, I kind of caught a glimpse out of my peripheral vision, and somebody was going. 
And it was these guys who knew me in high school. And they thought, who's this guy? Hallelujah. Hopefully they were smelling some of that fragrance of victory, of a changed life. Amen. God is so good. Oh, this is so good. Come on, shout it out with me. He has giving me victory in all areas of life. Now let's break this down. First of all, we'll show you how God has given victory. Jesus won the victory. He won the battle when he died on the cross and resurrected from the dead and ascended to heaven. That's three parts of his great victory. One is the crucifixion and atonement. Two is the resurrection from the dead and the annunciation of his, of his victory and of his total reign. And then third is the ascension to heaven and his session, theologians call it his session in heaven. Those three parts are all powerful. I've preached on all of them through the years. We don't give enough attention to the ascension. You know, the Orthodox Church maybe does, maybe the Catholic Church, but it has some powerful truths in what happened when he ascended on high. Amen? Read Ephesians chapter 4. It's powerful. So anyhow, Jesus won the battle for us. He won the battle for us. Notice Romans chapter 1. Paul said, I am a bondservant called to be an apostle, separated to God, and... I've, um, I, which he promised before through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and, listen, declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. I found this passage years ago and I thought, wow, that he was declared to be the Son of God through the resurrection of the dead. So we know, first of all, that Jesus died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, he fulfilled all of the Levitical sacrificial system. If you don't know what that is, tune in on Wednesday nights. I'm teaching through the book of Leviticus. We're going through all of these various laws concerning sacrifice and how God required these for various penalties and sins and offenses. And so I'm going through each of those. And the beautiful thing is, as we learn about them, we realize the ultimate fulfillment of them all was Jesus. When he died on the cross, he fulfilled all of those requirements. Amen? He fulfilled all those requirements. So now our, our sins have been atoned for. They've been paid for, and now they've been forgiven if you're in Christ and have accepted Him into your heart. And in the Old Testament, in the Levitical system, the, the sacrifices had a time stamp. Let's just look at the Day of Atonement, the Yom Kippur, when the high priest would go into the most holy place on the Day of Atonement, he would make atonement for the nation of Israel for one year. They had, it's like getting a sticker for your car. Shouldn't belittle it like that, but it had a time stamp on it. It had a time stamp on it. It was one year, and then next year, we got to go do this thing again. Or a, a father could come and represent his family and bring a sacrifice for the family. Or an individual could come and bring a sacrifice for the individual. Or they could come offer a sacrifice of praise. On and on and on. When Jesus came into the temple in Matthew chapter 21, he had braided a whip up on the Mount of Olives. And he cried and wept over the city of Jerusalem who had, who had refused the prophets and slain the prophets. And then he comes on the Temple Mount, takes that whip, and he runs out all of the money changers, all of the people who were ripping off people. He got them out of the temple, and then he declared, My house shall be called a house of... Prayer. 
prayer, and he was quoting Isaiah 56, which is, My house shall become a house of prayer for all nations. And in Isaiah 56, Isaiah said there's coming a time when the eunuch will no longer say, I'm a dry tree, because the eunuch had no, no access to the temple. But in the, there's a day coming, Isaiah said, when the eunuch will be accepted. And then he said there's a day coming when the stranger will be accepted into the temple of God. Because in the Old Testament, a foreigner couldn't make it into the presence of God. There was, according to Josephus, there was a stone as you walked on Temple Mount that said any, any, no one but Jews can pass this point. It was a death penalty if you pass a certain point. But Isaiah saw centuries before a day coming in the future when God would welcome the foreigners and the eunuchs and all nations into the presence of God. And so when Jesus came in Matthew chapter 21 and he whipped the money changers out of the temple, he, what he did, I think, was a prophetic act in that he was saying the days of this system have come to a halt because it's no longer going to be necessary in a few days, I will go to the cross and fulfill every need that this temple has ever had. Come on, come on somebody shout amen. I'm, he came, and I know he, we talk about the injustice and them ripping people off, which was bad. But the greater story here is he was saying, this system is done with. This system is done with, and I'm going to make a way that all nations can come. I'm going to make a way that Jew and Gentile and male and female and bond and free and Greek and Scythian, I'm making a way for all of them to come into the presence of the Lord. So I don't believe in a limited atonement. I believe in a wide open atonement. He died for everybody. He died for everybody. Whosoever will, let him come and drink of the waters of life freely. Paul said, for it's God's will that all men come to repentance. He died for everybody. And when he went on the cross, he died for my sin. He died for your sin. I don't have to go back and ask for forgiveness of something I've already asked forgiveness for because there's no time stamp. There's no time stamp on the forgiving power of God. Come on, that's to make somebody want to shout right there. There's no time stamp. Now he died once and for all. Made his way into the holy place according to Hebrews. Sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat in heaven. And now I said, it is finished, Father. Now he's gone up and seated in his reign in heaven. Can I just get way off course here and get over into the weeds a little bit? You know, we want God, we often pray, and I believe we should ask God and we should petition God and all that jazz, but sometimes our prayers are so baptized in unbelief, it's no wonder they aren't answered. Because sometimes we're asking God to do things that He's already given us the authority to do, and He's already seated and said, I'm resting now. No, God, you come and do this. No, I told you to go do that. God rebuked the devil out of my life. No, I gave you the authority to rebuke the devil out of your life. Well, somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, say, He's seated in heaven. I'm walking on earth. With that authority. 
So when he died, he wiped out the sin debt. Then notice what Colossians 2 says, verse 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly. Triumphing over them in it. So listen to the Amplified. God disarmed the principalities and powers that were ranged against us and made a bold display and public example over them in triumphing over them in the cross. And it says, in it. Notice that in the New King James. He worked triumphing over them in it. The it is the cross. And so when he died on the cross, he stripped principalities and powers of their authority. Satan was unseated as the ruler of this world. I believe he had the authority because it had been surrendered, I believe, through mankind, through Adam and Eve. I believe Satan had the, the rulership of the cosmos, so to speak. But I'm telling you, when Jesus died on the cross, he unseated him. He unseated him. That's why when John saw him, John saw him with keys in his hand. In the book of Revelation, he saw him with keys in his hand. He has authority over death and hell. Now he's the king of the universe. He's always been the king, but now he's declared to be the king by the resurrection from the dead. I'd use this illustration this morning, you know. If someone's preseason ranked number one, very rarely do they ever make it to winning the national championship. You know, now, I mean, preseason ranked number one to make it all the way to the national championship. So uh, I, I said, as during worship in the 9 o'clock service, I grabbed my phone and did a Google search. What teams have actually made it in NCAA basketball, preseason ranked number one, and won the championship? And the only search I saw was UNC began the year preseason number one and didn't even make it to the tournament. So I said, I better stop this search right now because it's going to get tied in here. But I was corrected by a loyal Duke fan in between services that Duke made it happen before. And several other teams have made it happen before. Matter of fact, I was talking about my home high school that we had a, we, we've won 26 state championships in wrestling. And hold the, hold the record in the state of Virginia for the most championships in any sport. That's my home high school. And we have a, a, a guy in our church. He was here in the early service. He's a retired master chief from the Navy. He said, you know, between seventh grade and senior in high school, my record in wrestling was 309 to 1. Four-time state champion. I'm like, you're bad to the bone. You, you got it going on. I mean, that's, that's amazing, huh? So he said, I did. I started out preseason number one and won it on the mat. Jesus has been Lord forever. Since eternity passed, but he humbled himself, Philippians 2, came down and took upon himself the form of a servant, and then he went to the mat, and he proved his lordship when he defeated Satan, hallelujah, three times in temptation, went to the cross, surrendered his life, and then on the third day rose from the dead, conquering death, hell, the grave, and every bad thing that comes against us in this life. Hallelujah. He is the champion. He is the ruler. He is the victor forever. If you believe it, give him a shout. <laughs> Come on, shout it out. He won. He won. And now that he wins, now he's brought us onto the winning team, and now we participate in the victory that he has. 
Now we are participating in the victory of Christ. Let me show you something. So in John's writings, he lays out uh, this one term, overcome. In Greek, it's the term nike, or the verbal form, nikao. Okay, it means to overcome. It's used in the Gospel of John, the letters of John, first, first, second, third John, and it's used in the book of Revelation. Why? Because I believe John wrote all of those. Some scholars don't believe that. There's a big movement in scholarship, even an ancient writer named Papias who said that he didn't write Revelation, but whatever. I'm telling you, it's, it, there's too much data here, I think, to not see that John wrote all those. Let me show you something. In John 16, verse 33, John says, Jesus said, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. It, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're exempt from problems. Doesn't mean you're exempt from circumstances. But it does mean you're going to be a winner in the midst of everything you face. Why? Because we participate in the victory that he has already won. First John, the letter of 1 John 2.13. I write unto you fathers because you have known him. That's from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. He's speaking in past perfect tense. You have overcome the wicked one. You have overcome the wicked one. You have overcome the wicked one. 1 John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 1 John 5, 4, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. This is the victory even our faith. And then when we come to the book of Revelation, it is absolutely rife with these references to being an overcomer. Revelation 2.7, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life. Revelation 2.11, He who has an ear to hear, he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Revelation 2.17, to him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manatee over and over. He's calling out the believers as overcomers, and he's showing them the reward of their overcoming. My personal opinion is, that's what the book of Revelation is about. It is a book, to, it is a victory book to show a persecuted church that in the end we win, and that you can overcome through all of these circumstances by remaining faithful to God and standing strong in your faith. That's what it's about. I don't believe it's picking out and trying to figure out who the Antichrist is and what is 666 and what are going to be flying locusts or going to be helicopters. I believe it's a book of victory to those who are down and are, and are hurt. I'm just letting it all go this morning. Amen. Amen. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, we win. We win. Because he won, I win. Come on, say it with me. Because he won... I win. Because he won, I win. Look at your neighbor and say, because he won, you win. You win. Look at your other neighbor. <laughs> because he won, you win. You've now been brought into the winning team. Did you ever get picked for, you know, like at recess or in, you know, high school PE class or something? You'd choose teams? You ever been picked by the losers? 
But then you get picked by the winning team and you're like, I'm just going to look good here. I'm just going to. Hallelujah. Or it's like some of you golfers. You know, you play in a, uh, like a member guest tournament or you play in a, a you know, a, a Super Bowl tournament. You go get the best you can find. We have one guy that can kill it off the tee and this guy can chip and this guy can putt and I'm going to look good. <laughs> and we're going to win. Anyhow, it's good to be on the winning team. That's what God has said. Come on over onto the winning side. I've already defeated sin. That means sin shall no longer have dominion over you. That's what Paul said. That means you don't have to stumble your way to heaven. You don't have to fool with addictions and problems every day of your life. Take hold of the victory that Jesus has already purchased for you and walk in that level of victory in your life. Alcohol is not your Lord. Marijuana is not your Lord. Running women is not your game. Looking after men is not your husband isn't your arena. Hallelujah. You've been raised up above all of that. Cheating people isn't in your ball game anymore. Hallelujah. Living an unclean life is no longer your part. You've been raised above that. Seated with him in heavenly places and now you're wearing the winner's jersey. Hallelujah. And he's given you power and authority in this life. I, 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 I can't stand this theology that we sin a little bit every day and we stumble our way to heaven and, you know, everybody's a failure and everybody's a loser, but we're all losers together. No. I might have been a loser before, but once I came to him, I'm no longer a sinner. Doesn't mean I don't have the capacity to sin, but now I've been, I've been called righteous. I am the righteousness of God in Christ, not by my works. It's by what he did on the cross. And now I walk as the righteousness of God in Christ. I ain't who I used to be. We're, gonna have, we're having fun. I'm telling you. It's, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. I'm going to show you something. So we now participate in the victory that Jesus won. That's where we are. Turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, I want to show you something. I love this. This is one of my favorite things in Scripture. Ephesians 6, Paul talks about fighting spiritual warfare. He says, finally, my brethren, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So he's basically saying Satan's going to come after you. The enemy is going to come after you. And he has certain wiles. It's an, it's an older King James term. Wiles means he has certain strategies. He has certain battle plans. And he knows your weaknesses. And he's coming with a game plan. So be wise of the, of the strategy of the enemy. Amen? Then he says this. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. For we do not wrestle against other people. For we do not wrestle, men, against your wife. Wives, you don't wrestle against your husband. There's a deeper problem going on in the world. We are wrestling against principalities 
against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, some have said these are governmental powers or these are some, maybe some type of authorities in the earth realm, but I have always believed, and I have no reason not to believe, that these are spiritual entities. He talks about spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places, meaning in the spirit realm. I believe these are four different strata of demonic entities. I believe Satan has a kingdom and Satan's kingdom is organized and he has generals and kings and princes and all that under him and I believe these represent the strata of the kingdom of darkness that you and I wrestle against. But now Paul is concluding this book in chapter 6 but if you go back, turn left and go back to chapter 1 he begins the book talking about the greatness of Christ and how he's... Uh, you know, he's, he's defeated all the foes and he's seated in, 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 on high and all the greatness of, the, of Christ. And notice what he says here in verse 20. When he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. But let's look at principality, power, might, and dominion. I don't know if these are exactly the same as what we just saw in Ephesians 6, but there's four of them here, and there's four of them in Ephesians 6, and it's kind of suspicious to me that everything that Jesus has conquered here and has been raised above are, the, are seemingly the same entities that you and I are fighting against. And so it tells me that everything I face He's already overcome. Everything I encounter, He's already won the victory over. And Satan has been given a leash to operate here for a period of time. Why? I don't know. We'll figure that out later. But one reason is so the gospel can go, so the kingdom can spread throughout the earth realm. But we are here fighting a defeated foe, and those principalities and powers we're fighting, Jesus has already risen above stripped them of authority, Colossians 2.15, and now is seated in the heavenly places. So where's that leave you and I, though? Because we're here on earth. We're here in Pasquotank County. Well, look at chapter 2. Chapter 2 says, verse 5, even when we were dead in trespasses, He made us alive together in Christ or with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And raised us up together. And raised up... Read it. Ephesians 2, 6. And raised us up together and made us to sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So even though you and I are still here on earth, positionally and in terms of authority, we are seated with Him in the victor's seat. Okay, I'm going to roll through that one more time. Now, even though you and I are here on earth, we've been raised up and positionally seated with Him in the heavenly places where He's already conquered everything. Yeah, but we still walk through some stuff. Absolutely we do. Well, what about death? We walk, I, I preached a funeral yesterday. 
Don't we still experience death? Absolutely. But he's already defeated it. That's why death doesn't affect the believer like it does the non-believer. We don't grieve as those who have no hope, Paul said. We have hope. And we see through this thing. So even when a, a believer dies, they just step from one level of victory into another level of victory. And therefore, grief has the sting of grief has been pulled out from the believer. Not that we won't experience sadness and walk through that period of healing and that, that period that we walk through, but the real sting of it, the real death blow of it has been removed for the believer because he carried our griefs and our sorrows. What about when you receive a negative report from the doctor? God forbid. But what, what, what about when that kind of thing happens? Well, you receive it and you say, okay, okay, I understand what it is. Now, Jesus has already conquered it all. This is my stance. Jesus has already conquered it all. So because he's conquered it all, I'm going to stay with him. Number two, I'm going to go back to the word. And I'm going to get some scriptures on it that I can pray and declare over my life. And I'm going to trump that negative report with another report. And that is the report of the Lord that says I'm healed. I'm going to trump it and I'm going to stay in his word and find myself hidden in his word. And I trust that more than the natural realm. I'm just going to be honest with you. And then pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost and see what God would have you do and make wise decisions and spirit-led decisions at each moment. Well, what we received a negative financial report. Okay, I'm going to go to the Word because Jesus has already conquered all that. He's not broke. Heaven's not broke. So I'm going to go to the Word and I'm going to see that He's already supplied all my needs according to His riches and glory. So I need to be a tither and I need to obey what He tells me to do. And as long as I position myself in obedience before Him, so as I'm supposed to, be a good steward of my money, bless my family and tithe into the kingdom, then I'm going to demand rights from heaven. Hallelujah. And say, God, now you show up, Lord, and do what you promised me you would, not because I'm an unruly child, but because I know He takes delight in answering and hearing my requests. Hallelujah. And he wants to answer them so that my joy may be full. <laughs> so that my joy may be full. How many of you would be such loser parents to say, my kids are broke, let them suffer a little bit? I don't even think we would be that way. Now, we want them to learn right and handle money correctly. But we want to bless as much as we possibly can. We want to make a way. We want to prepare. We want to save. We want to see them make it through college and not be laden with debt. We want to see them succeed in life. How much more does your Heavenly Father care for you? How much more does your heavenly Father open up the windows of heaven? How much more does he open up the treasury and storehouse of heaven? How much more? You know what? We've had such limited thinking. It has really stunted the move of God in our lives. I'm telling you, we've had such limited thinking. We've been afraid of money and afraid of blessing and afraid to let God take the lid off and do whatever he wants to do. I'm not there anymore, child. 
I'm into the blessing realm right now. And I want everything God has for me. I want to do everything He's calling me to do. I want to walk in a high level of faith. Hallelujah. I want to be blessed when I wake up. Blessed when I go down at night. Healed when I wake up. Healed when I go down at night. Hallelujah. I want my children to be healed and blessed. My grandkids to be healed and blessed. The next generation to be blessed. Why? Because I'm a winner. Hallelujah. I'm on the winning team. I've already changed sides. Hallelujah. Maybe I was a loser in the past, but I came through the blood, went to the cross. Hallelujah. Experienced the power of his resurrection. And now he said, Hans, I'm changing you into another man. You once were somebody else, and now I'm making you a new creation in Christ. Hallelujah. And now I've set you on the winning team. And now I'm cheering you on to victory. Somebody give him a praise. Come on, just give him a shout, yes. So now we fight not from the position of, of a defeated person, but now we fight from the position of victory. We go in knowing we got this. We got this. He's got this. I'm walking into this battle, and I know he's already got it. Had a, had a man text me two days ago. Had a man text me yesterday. Said, my wife's been diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. I'm like, you're a winner. Take the word. We don't receive this report. Start pouring the word into your life. Start pouring the word into your life in Jesus' name and don't take no for an answer. Don't quit. Don't give in. Don't succumb. Don't start talking things that, that don't, start, don't start bowing to that sickness. And I know it's not easy. But we, I've walked it, okay? But don't do that. Start fighting, man. Start fighting. Start fighting. This is the fight of your life. You're a winner. You can do it in Jesus' name. Thought about a lady last night as I was preaching uh, the camp meeting last night. I thought about a lady that I encountered years ago in Phelps, Kentucky, who had been declared. Uh, you know, she was a cancer patient. She had been. You know, she declared had cancer, and it was at a late stage. And so, what did she do? Her husband sent her to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and she went to Kenneth Hagen's Healing School and stayed there a month or two. Just set, set because our problem is sometimes. Hans Hess has done this many times. We'll ask God for something, and if we don't see the instantaneous miracle, then we say, well, it must not be in the Lord's will. Well, God didn't, God didn't show up. He didn't show up. He didn't do it. So, so we build this theology around the failure. Instead of saying, okay, I'm going to go examine myself. And I'm going to figure out what's going on here. And I'm going to examine my heart, make sure I'm right, make sure my, my, my spirit is right, make sure my faith is high, and make sure I'm pouring the word in me. So this lady went out there for, for a month or two and came back completely 100% cancer-free. God does this stuff. I remember a lady came to our church, I pastored years ago. She came up in a, in a revival meeting, and she, she came and she said, Pastor, I need prayer. I've been diagnosed with breast cancer. I'm going in tomorrow for surgery, and I just believe God's going to touch me. So me and the evangelist laid hands on her. She fell out in the power of God, laid backwards on the floor. And I remember it vividly, and I thought to myself, she's on God's operating table. That's what I thought. She's on God's operating table. She got up, she went home, she went into the, we, we see a report later, she went to the doctor, went to have the procedure done, and she went, and they said, well, we better do one more examination before we cut on you. So they did an x-ray or CT scan or whatever it was, and they came back, 
And the doctor walked in and he said, we've got an issue here. We can't find this thing anymore. We have an issue here. We can't find this thing. We can't find this thing. Totally, completely gone. We prayed for a lady one night. Same church had had a built-up shoe. I mean, like this. And was having hip problems. And we prayed for her. She went back to the doctor. And the doctor said, something has happened. Your hip's adjusted. You need to go buy a normal pair of shoes. This lady was probably in her 60s and been dealing with this her whole life. She went and bought a normal pair of shoes. You say, well, God does stuff like that for certain people. I just can't help but believe the cross was for everybody. And I just can't help but believe that healing is tied to the atonement according to Isaiah 53. And I can't help but believe that healing, that God's nature is a healer. And I know I've, I've walked the same road. Because I've prayed for stuff and not seen stuff happen and had to start search down in my heart, God, what is going on? But I'm just telling you, I know I'm on the winning side. So I feel the devil tried to take me out three years ago. I really do. And shut my mouth from preaching this anymore. And say, no, it didn't work for you, didn't work for your family, so you can't, you don't have no authority to do this. So, so many of y'all were here back then, and y'all know I took nine weeks from the pulpit and didn't preach. And I came back, and the second week I was back, I called a healing altar call. And three people came forward for healing. All of them were females, all had cancer. And the second lady I came to had ovarian cancer. That was a particular kind of cancer that my wife passed away with. And when I heard her, she said, I have ovarian cancer. I took a step back, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I thought, okay, what am I going to do now? And I'm having the enemy saying, you tried this, and it didn't work. What are you going to do now? And I said, I said I'm going to lay hands on this lady right now in Jesus' name. I believe God's going to touch her and heal her body. And I don't know if I've seen the lady since, but we laid hands on her and the power of God was so thick in this house. If she didn't get healed, I'd be surprised. I don't, I don't think I ever saw her again. But I think it was a test for me. It was a test for me. Are you going to do this or are you going to wimp out and, and go, with, go with feelings and experience over the word? I said, I'm not going to, I'm taking the word above everything else. I'm taking the word. I'm going to stay in the word. I'm safer in the word than with anybody's experience. Because there have been a lot of people get messed up. There have been a lot of preachers go through different things and then lose every bit of faith and lose every bit of faith in, in the power of God because of some circumstance or somebody hurt their feeling or some church situation went down bad. Don't let stand, and when you've done all to stand, stand therefore. Don't let anybody back you down from what you believe. Don't let any person, any church situation, any sickness, any, any circumstance you've been through, don't let it back you down. Let it, let it just be another rung on the ladder that you climb up and say, God, I'm going to believe more, and I'm going to see better the next time, and I'm going to understand more. Now I have knowledge. Job said, after he went through all he went through, God showed up and he repented. said, Lord, I'm sorry. I've spoken what I didn't know. And he said, I'd heard of you. And I'd heard about you, but now I've seen you. I've walked through some things and I'd heard about you theoretically, but now I know you because I've seen you move. Come on, somebody, shout hallelujah. 
Come on, I declare you're a winner in Jesus' name. I declare you're going to make it in Jesus' name. I declare you're more than a conqueror in Jesus' name. I declare you are an overcomer in Jesus' name. I declare nothing shall separate you from the love of God which is in Christ, neither height nor depth nor principality nor power, that which is or that which is to come. Nothing's going to separate you. Let the power of God move in your heart. Let the power of God move in your life. Be all that God has called you to be. Do everything he placed in your heart to do. Come on, if you believe it, shout hallelujah. 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 We serve that same God. Somebody say the same God. We serve the same God that was in the lion's den with Daniel. We serve the same God that was in the fire with the Hebrew boys. We serve the same God that walked through the Red Sea with the children of Israel. We serve the same God that brought Jesus out of the tomb on the third day. Hallelujah. We serve the same God that conquered the enemies of Israel. We serve the same God that walked with Paul and walked with Barnabas and walked with Peter and walked with Timothy. We serve the same God. Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever he was a winner then he's a winner now he's going to be a winner tomorrow you are an overcomer if you believe it give him a shout of praise hallelujah come on give him a shout of praise hallelujah hey hallelujah Oh, hallelujah. I declare joy on your life. Stop worrying. Hallelujah. Don't give the devil free rent in your mind. Fill your mind with the Word of God. Overcome everything that comes your way. You've already won the battle before the battle begins. I don't know exactly how big time wrestling works. But I think before they go into the mat, somebody's already signed an agreement and figured out who's going to win. Years ago, my dad worked at a high school wrestling match, big time wrestling we're talking. And my dad worked with an emergency crew, a rescue crew. And so one guy got beat up and bloodied and they carried him out and they put him in the the ambulance, and they were all flipping out. They said, we're going to rush you down to the hospital. And they got just off the hill, and he said, boys, you don't have to go down to the hospital. <laughs> Anyhow, I'm sorry I'm raining on your parade if you're an NWA fan, but, I, you know, you're okay. You're all right. But I kind of think the kingdom's like that. Before we step into the battle, an agreement's already been signed. Jesus has already won the victory in his blood. You may have to face Andre the Giant, but you already got the contract on it. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. You may have to face Sting or whoever, but you've already got the contract on it. You're going to win when this thing is said and done. (laughs) When you know you're going to win, it causes you to fight better. Hallelujah. When you know, you you, you know, I, I got this deal right here. What coach tells their team, listen, guys, we're facing these guys tonight. Ain't no way we're going to win. Just go out there and just roll through the motions because you're a loser. No coach does that. They come out and say, no, okay, okay, these guys are tough, but we got a way to victory. Let me tell you how we're going to do it. 
We're going to pass the ball to Brian. He's going to pass the ball to Brandon. We're going to get everybody involved. How get Bill on the backside, and we're going to cut through. We're going to set up. We're going to set a screen. Going to come around, and Brad's going to come and shoot it from a three-point land. And that's what's going to happen. That's how we're going to win. And a real coach would make you believe it. Amen. Hallelujah. Because we got this. These guys are nothing. Come on, we got this. We win. We've already won. We win. We win. Look at about five people. Tell them you win. In Jesus, you win. Rhonda, you win. You win. Come on, everybody on your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, shout it out. I win. Father, we give you praise right now. Come on. We give you praise right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word, Lord. I give you praise for your word. God, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not belittling anyone's circumstances or struggle, but Lord, I pray you open their eyes right now to the word, to the power of the word in their lives. Let their faith rise. Faith in you rise right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Some of you, the devil has lied to and told you you won't live a long life. Cancel that lie in Jesus' name. Cancel it right now. Cancel it. Cancel it. Cancel it. And quote back to him Psalm 91. Lord, I will live. I will live and be satisfied with a long life. I, 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 come on, say it out loud. I will live. And he will satisfy me with a long life hallelujah take that devil father I give you praise I just pray blessing over everyone in here right now we rebuke that spirit of despair or discouragement coming to tell them they can't do it that spirit of defeat we rebuke it we cast it out of our lives in Jesus name we declare the victory of God in this house right now and I give you praise I give you praise come on everybody in here Hey guys, thanks so much for watching and listening to the podcast. And I hope these sermons have been a great blessing and source of encouragement to your life. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing today, Jesus is the answer. I can tell you, He is the answer for your life. I'd love to pray with you before we leave here. So if you never accepted Christ into your life, or if you just have a need in your life, let's lift it up to the Lord right now. Come on, pray with me. Lord Jesus, wash me from all sin. I accept you into my life. I repent of all sin and I place you on the throne seat of my heart. Lord, I pray right now, you minister to each and every one who just prayed that short prayer with me. Whatever situation they're facing, give them grace right now. Give them the power they need to get through it, Lord. Give miracle signs and wonders today, Lord, to those listening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare it done in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching us.